0: What's up, it's Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Thanks for listening to the Under the Hood podcast presented by Coors Light. Stay inside and buy your Coors Light online. Find out how at get.coorslight.com. Coors Light,
1: take time to chill. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Sports, from State Street and the First Midwest Bank Studio, this is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. WMVP Chicago. This is Chicago's
2: home for sports.
1: Stream ESPN 1000 easily on the all-new ESPN Chicago app.
3: You're listening to Under the Hood on ESPN 1000.
0: What's up and welcome in. It's Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood, weeknights. Right here on ESPN 1000, phone lines open for you, 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is the telephone number. So is the NBA open for business? Let's take a look at the latest here. The NBA, according to ESPN.com, the NBA has entered into conversations with the Walt Disney Company about resuming its season at Disney's ESPN Wild World of Sports Complex in Orlando, Florida uh, in late July. So there's been a number of tweets out there all day pinpointing when a date will take place. Looks like they can resume in late July. The NBA is discussing a step-by-step plan for a resumption of the 2019-20 season that includes an initial two-week recall of players into the marketplaces, uh, making sure they have a two- or three-week formal camp. That's great. Um, But let's hear from Adrian Wojnarowski, who covers the NBA for ESPN.com, reading his tweets all day on what is being said here. He says that at this point in time, because we're going through COVID-19, because there has not been uh, any games since March, that the future of the league is at stake.
4: How the league builds out from this summer and into next season and the following season, there is going to be a dramatic loss in revenue. And how does the league and the union work together to figure out, uh, how it continues to allow the league to function? I think especially in a competitive environment, I think think about Rachel, the teams who very likely are going to get left out of this summer's, um, resumption and, and whether that's eight teams at the bottom, six teams at the bottom, 10 teams at the bottom, we're still waiting to see, but I think we're confident there will not be 30 teams in Orlando, um, Many of them small market teams, not all. The Knicks are part of that group. Golden State's part of that group. Sure. They'll be fine. But other organizations where, you know, the, the team, especially younger rebuilding teams who are not going to be able to play structured basketball for nine months from the end of last season and a season that we're confident is going to start sometime in late December, what it does competitively for them And then financially for them, especially heading into a season where teams don't know if they're going to be able to have fans in arenas or how many fans they might be allowed to have. And I think competitive balance has been an issue in this league. They have tried to address it with revenue sharing. But if those small market teams don't have fans in their building and they don't have those gate receipts and then the big market teams may not have that or have less, well, then they've got less revenue sharing you know, these smaller teams are getting 24, $28 million plus from big market teams. This is going to have a could have a dramatic impact on what competitive basketball looks like in the NBA. And so I think as much revenue as they can get out of this summer moving forward, but also the teams that are left behind here and not playing, I think mm-hmm. there's bigger issues for them moving forward, Rachel.
0: So there's Adrian Wojnarowski on the jump talking to Rachel Nichols. So let me just get this straight, just to make sure that we're on the same page. The NBA is planning a Thursday vote of the Board of Governors with the expectation that owners will approve Adam Silver's recommendation on a format to resume the season in Orlando. That was one of the four potential return to play options presented. It was to resume the regular season with all 30 teams, followed by a play in tournament or going straight to the playoffs with either a play-in tournament or World Cup-style uh, group stage, or resume the regular season with all 30 teams and then go straight to the playoffs. So there's been some conjecture on exactly how that vote went. My vote would have been, let's get to the playoffs already. <laughs> okay? Yeah, we're not going to have to resume the season for for a reason. But I can see that the wheels are turning, in New York with Adam Silver in the NBA. Here's what I mean. As we talk about this with Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000. So here's what I'm thinking. The NBA cannot outdumb the room as they try to ease themselves back into the sports landscape. Before the pandemic, we had the Lakers and Clippers at the top of the heap of the NBA because of the storyline of the possibility of seeing L.A. versus L.A., not just in the regular season, but also in the playoffs. And we saw Zion Williamson trying to develop coming off the injury uh, in New Orleans. A resurging Thunder team coming out of nowhere. Houston going small ball. Luka and Morant, these young players on the rise. But the spotlight, as you well know, is always on LeBron James. It always is. He's polarizing because of the social media era. Social media needs to have a person to crap on. So no matter what he has done on or off the court, LeBron is always going to be that guy. But there's so many stars in the West, and the league really needs to have more depth in the East. Giannis is on a great team with the Milwaukee Bucks, and when the season stopped, we looked at the Milwaukee Bucks as like the clear favorite to be able to win the East. No shot at Indiana or Toronto or, or a Philadelphia team that wasn't going in the right direction, but Giannis is on a great team that looked like it was destined to be able to be the representative of the Eastern Conference. There's a couple other teams in that conference in the East that need to take a step or two before they could be considered strong enough contenders against teams in the West in the playoffs, in the finals. But hold on a second. So I read what Damian Lillard of the Blazers said, right? Blazers star Damian Lillard said that he believes a play-in tournament for teams on the outside of the playoff picture is the best option. He says, I feel like a play-in tournament would be perfect just because we actually were in striking distance. Also, we had enough games to get into the playoffs. So Lillard said that on Jalen and Jacoby. So just a second here. I say it should be 16 teams. The top eight in the East, the top eight in the West. But out of the things I mentioned, if the NBA extends itself... And it's going to have more than 16 teams. We're talking about 20 teams, 22 teams. You know why they're trying to do this? They want to do this because they want to have players like Zion Williams in the playoffs. Let me tell you how the the rest of the playoff picture looks. A lot of us know what the top 16 teams are. The Magic are the eighth best team in the East. The Memphis Grizzlies are the best um, top eight team in the West. They're number eight. But you know who's not in the playoff picture right now? Portland, New Orleans, San Antonio. uh, Amongst those teams in the West, Golden State, because they've been banged up, this was going to be a rebuilding year for them anyway because of all the injuries, so they're not in the playoffs. You know what the NBA's trying to do? They're trying to be slick. They're trying to find a way to get Greg Popovich and the Spurs into the playoffs by extending the amount of teams that would be in a playoff picture. We've heard all these things from, like, uh, O'Connor from The Ringer and from Woj and from Bobby Marks and, uh, you know, uh, Zach Lowe, all these guys that write about the NBA, right, about trying to figure out how to configure some World Cup tournament or have more teams than the usual in the playoffs in some kind of crazy format during this pandemic. But I think the league is trying to do their due diligence to try to find a way to get Popovich and the Spurs into the playoffs. They're trying to get Zion Williamson into the playoffs because Zion in New Orleans was box office. He's not where Drew Brees is just as of yet because he's so new, but he's compelling because we hadn't seen someone in that with that frame, with that smile, with that kind of cachet in a while in the NBA. You remember Zion Williamson when he was at Duke, how he was able to bring more eyeballs to the TV when he played for Duke because he was so different. Someone that big and someone that uh, fast and someone that powerful, we hadn't seen that since uh, LeBron James. So there is a reason why I think the NBA is trying to stretch it out beyond the 16 teams to get into a possible playoffs. I think they should go right to the playoffs with the top 16 teams because I don't believe if you start the season that Portland, New Orleans, Sacramento, or Washington, Charlotte, or the Bulls will be able to catch some of the 7th or 8th seeds in the East or West. As I said, just, just get on with it. Let's get to the playoffs. But the NBA, they realize that out of the things I mentioned when the season stopped, there wasn't enough storylines. There wasn't enough meat on the bone for the NBA. No Popovich, no opportunity for the Spurs to get to the postseason. Uh, no Zion, no Dame Dollar, no C.J. McCollum, because Portland is a very important market for the NBA. And it, even though Portland has underachieved a lot over the years, they're always a fun to watch. And of course, whether it's Dame Dollar rapping or whether it's CJ McCollum with his podcast, there's some popularity with that. Those guards on that team, people like Portland. It's not a small market by no, my, no stretch of the imagination, but people would like to see them on a bigger spotlight, on a bigger stage. Out of the 16 teams, the NBA don't they don't have enough young and up and coming stars. Remember, no Golden State. No Kyrie, no KD. If the season were to resume, we would not see Kyrie and KD for Brooklyn uh, fighting uh, for that Eastern Conference crown. That's going to be next year. But I think the league is trying to get more star power on the plate than they ever have in a while. Because I think that even though I watched the league, it didn't have that same sizzle because of the lack of superstars in the East. Now, as an NBA fan, I'm going to watch anyway because I find it intriguing because I want to see who's next, who's emerging, who's stepping back. I always look at the entire NBA because of one reason. Watching the Bulls all the time gets boring. And reason 1A to that is I need to see how these other organizations work. So that way, when I come on the air, I'm talking to you about how Oklahoma city does things, how golden state does things, how, how Philly does things. And, and to compare it to what the bulls have. And so let's keep our eyes on that. I think it should be 16 teams that will be in the postseason whenever the NBA resumes and they they're looking at July, but man, I think they're trying to get more star power in there just for interest, because as is when the season stopped in March, It was cool, but it wasn't dynamic. When you have a season like the NFL, even some of the bad teams that have young players, people will watch. Of course, fantasy football, gambling, all that is all part of it as well. But also, it's about what's next, what's hot, what's interesting, what's trending. All those things matter in the NFL. In the NBA, yeah, yeah, you can go to House of Highlights. Yeah, you can be able to go to YouTube. Yeah, you can go to Twitter and see some highlights in there. But you need the sizzle to go along with the stake in the, in the NBA. And I think that Silver is trying to be able to add a little bit more sizzle. More from Woj talking about how, and this is going to be the case for baseball or any other sport, there's going to be some players that just don't want to be part of this pandemic era that we have in sports where we're going to have no fans or very few fans in stands because of the risk of COVID-19. Woj
4: Narowski says not all teams, not all 30 teams want to play. The idea of 30 teams versus 20 coming back, or just a 16 playoff, or 24, at the bottom of the NBA standings, you have a split among teams who want to return and play and those who would really just prefer to to uh, call it in for the season, keep their lottery position where it is, their lottery odds. And I think ultimately Adam Silver has to really work through it with these owners to find 20 owners who have a plan that they can live with
0: so, thoughts there from Adrian Wojnarowski. Uh So, July 31st, very well, could be a target date for the return for the NBA. 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our phone number. Let's go to beautiful Hyde Park. Here's Taylor on ESPN 1000 with Jonathan Hood. What's up, T? Yo, what up, buddy? What's good? What's good? How you feel?
2: Feeling good, feeling good. Look, I think all of this, you said, uh, doesn't really
1: matter. Um, the NBA is great because it's a top heavy league I don't care who's ranked 16. I don't care who's ranked this. I don't care who's ranked 20th or
2: 30th. All that matters is the top three teams in the West and the top three teams in the East, and those are the guys who have a chance to win this championship or this playoff, whatever you want to call this tournament. So with whoever else is four through eight or four through whatever, it doesn't really matter. So I don't care who you put in there. All I want to see is the GOAT, LeBron James versus Giannis. Um, and let those two go at it for, I don't care, 30 games. Um, and that's why we love the NBA is because it's so top-heavy.
1: So to argue about the eighth seed, I mean, who really cares?
0: Well, you have to have competition, so you got to care about the, whoever's going to be in it. Yeah, you might, be, you might focus on the top three teams uh, in each conference, but there's other teams that will be involved. And also, I'll say this, Taylor, I appreciate your phone call. I will say this, that during this pandemic, we don't know who is in playing shape, or who, who is and who is not. This could be some unpredictability, especially early on, because those teams are in the middle. Maybe Philadelphia finally figures things out. That very well could be the case. Uh, maybe the Bucs aren't ready. Maybe that is Toronto that takes a step even without Kawhi. You never know. You never know. I see this almost like the NHL in some ways in which we know that LeBron, because we've been seeing the videos, right? We know he's working out. We know he's ready. Um, uh, and I think the Lakers are good. I think the Clippers are good. But we still need to figure out what these who these other teams are. Uh, seven and eight seeds, and, and if they have more teams, I think you need the NBA is about star power and having as many people under the tent as possible. Um, so, uh, as much as I can see it like you do, Taylor, we don't know what the middle to the bottom of a possible playoff situation will look like because we don't know what kind of shape these guys are in. So that's, and, and the rhythm, because the rhythm has been broken because of COVID 19 and the stoppage. Glad you checked in. Appreciate your phone call coming up next. Uh, (laughs) Tom Thibodeau can you believe Tom Thibodeau could be getting another job in the NBA there's someone that's totally against it Uh, coming up next right here on UTH
1: this is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 Chicago's home for sports Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood how you doing Follow us on the gram at IGJHood and at ESPN underscore Chicago. ESPN
5: 1000,
1: Chicago's home for sports.
0: You know, I was reading Joe Cowley from the Chicago Sun-Times Covered the Bulls for a long time. And I was reading him uh, yesterday and today regarding Tom Thibodeau. Now, it's interesting that that Cowley mentions tom thibodeau because i've been holding on to this story all week on under the hood about tom thibodeau i've been reading the last i guess since tuesday that tom thibodeau is in line to possibly be the next new york knicks head coach and i just kind of laughed to myself i'm just like how many times can these also rands how many times can these guys get jobs and not just jobs in the nba prominent jobs as head coach You remember the Thibodeau era, just like I did, as it was very successful. There's only a few coaches in Bulls history that actually uh, was able to coach at a high level. Phil Jackson's one. Tom Thibodeau's right there as well, um, as far as successful coaches all time in Bulls history. But there was an issue with management with Gar Foreman and John Paxson, Regarding Tom Thibodeau, because Tom would just close his door and would not allow Gar and Pax to come in the, come in his office. Sometimes he wanted to be able to uh, oversee this basketball team the way he saw fit, and it was a very successful run. Except that LeBron James was with the Cleveland Cavaliers at the time, uh, and with the Miami Heat, and so it was very difficult for the Bulls to be able to get traction. Uh, because LeBron was the hammer and the Bulls were the nail. So it was very difficult, right? For, um, for Thibodeau and the Derrick Rose led Bulls to be able to get through. So I was reading Callie and it says, my favorite, uh, Tibbs false narrative doesn't do well with young players. Really? Rose, youngest MVP ever, Taj Omer, uh, Omer talking about in case you've forgotten about him like I have. Um, Zach Levine, Carl Anthony Towns. Hell, he made Tony Snell and Marquise uh, Teague, Marcus Teague serviceable. Uh, and then Kelly goes on to say, love how lazy journalists continue the false narrative on Tom Thibodeau, the numbers don't lie. And so he, what he's doing is he's directing uh, people to his column um, about how successful Thibodeau was as a Bulls coach. All right, cool. Um, Thibodeau also... For whatever reason, did not understand minutes limits. It, well, we saw the last dance, and there were no minutes limits back then. It was a different game during that time in the 80s and 90s, where if you want to run somebody out there, 35, 36 minutes a game, that's fine. Uh, but there is something to be said about when doctors say, "Hey, you know what? You might want to give this particular person rest because I see something in his knee. I see something in his legs. We got to make sure that uh, we got to make sure that this athlete is." ready to go and make sure that he's good for the long haul versus, um, the short term. And so after being let go by the bulls, he goes to the Timberwolves. And I knew that was not going to work because I never believe in this era that someone should be the head coach and president of basketball operations. That's just too much to do. Um, Stan Van Gundy failed at that with Detroit. Um, Thibodeau failed with that with Minnesota. That just wasn't going to work. Right. And so, um, I just think it's funny that Thibodeau, and those two stints, you would think all the other general managers around the league would look and say... God, okay, so maybe that's we need to let Thibodeau just be on ice for a while. Maybe he shouldn't be that hot name. Could you imagine Tom Thibodeau being the head coach for the Knicks after his two stints with Carl Anthony Towns and Wiggins? Those two would not get the job done. That team would not guard. For a guy that was so demonstrative and so angry about making sure everyone was tied together defensively, that Timberwolves team could not guard. And Thibodeau was supposed to be the head coach, barking out all the signals and all that. It didn't work. And with the Bulls, it was a very well-disciplined team. It just ran out of gas against LeBron. So now I'm reading Joe Cowley, and I'm just like, what is this revisionist history about Tom Thibodeau? A good coach, a good A to B coach, clearly in these last couple of stints, but not a guy going to get you over the, over the hump. Thibodeau, the broadcaster, versus Thibodeau, the guy that uh, is the head coach, are two different people. Th- Thibodeau believes in having his star players, his good players out there for 38, 39, 40 minutes a game. And yes, although some of his players better, yes, they have gotten better, but that's incrementally. Ultimately, it's about winning a championship and Thibodeau cannot do that in two stints. So now he's going to get another job. How many jobs does Thibodeau get? How many times does he have to get fired for some GM to say, maybe we should give this to a younger guy, someone that's a little bit more interesting, someone that has a, a different uh, angle to the game. Well, Rip Hamilton uh, was on the All the Smoke podcast, right, Davis? is that on Yeah, the All the Smoke, show? Matt Barnes, and Steven Jackson. It's Stephen Jackson. Okay, so, so Rip Hamilton gave his thoughts about Derrick Rose uh, and his injury situation while Tom Thibodeau was the head coach.
2: I felt like, all right, you know what? I can be the missing piece to get them over the hump because for Chicago at the time, they would always meet up against – the Miami Heat with LeBron and D Wade, and they didn't have nobody to match up with Dwayne Wade. And me and D Wade had a lot of matchups, you know, mm-hmm. during my career. I mean, Good that battles. dude, great. Like that dude right there pushed me to. Whew, I mean, like it was tough night in night out trying to guard him, you know, yeah, I mean. and also trying to do something on the on the, on the offensive end. But uh, he was probably one of the toughest guys that I had to had to guard. But then going to Chicago and playing against Derrick Rose during that time, man, I was like, bro, like, I played with a lot of great players. Derrick Rose during that time was probably the most talented player I ever played, played with.
0: Yeah, I mean, man. Like, at, at, at 23,
2: too. At, Think about at, that. At a, just starting. At 23, man, yo, this dude was ridiculous. And I seen what he was doing in practice night in and night out. And he had a great work 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 ethic. And he's very similar to... To uh K D I always say Derek Rose and and uh and K D, they're probably the most two humble superstars I ever seen in my life. Like mm-hmm. like they give you their shirt off their back. Like and Derek was that type of guy. So playing against the seventy six sixers during that time, and yeah, a lot of people say, Hey, you know what, why was Derek in the game? And you know, I, I would ask the question too. Like me knowing <laughs> <laughs> right? I won before, you know, All in right. Detroit. I've been you know, on the bench at times where, you know, we had an opportunity to go after that record of winning 70 games or whatever, because we were killing during one year. And guys like Sheed and Ben would be like, man, get Chauncey off the floor, get Rip off the court, or or they'll call timeout and get us off the floor, because <laughs> because we <laughs> That's know that yeah, right. it's, we bigger. Been, it's bigger it's than bigger. just that game. Mm-hmm. right? So, at that time, you know, you look back at it now. Now you can look back on it. We had that game, right? And you asked that question, why is he in the game? You know, because we already had that game in order for us to win an NBA championship. So I, I was always looking at it like, okay, you know what? Once the game, you got the game in hand, especially in the playoffs, you got to get your best player off the floor. You just have right. to. Because right. it's, it's just so much, you know, especially, you know, when you're the focal point of our offense, it's so much... He's going to have to deal with, especially when you get later and later in the series, just from a physicality standpoint, you know, the refs swallow their whistle a little bit more. Mm-hmm. now. You know, they let you hold they Let you grab a little bit more. You know what I'm saying? They're not calling the tiki tack fouls that they might call in the regular season. So you you got to know that. And I'm thinking to myself, like, come on, Tibbs, Got to get him mm-hmm. out the game, you know? Yeah. So when that happens, I'm like, oh, snap. I'm like, bro, get up, like, like, get up mm, when he doesn't get up and he's walking off, man, it it crushed me, not because of my own individual, you know, uh, you know, me coming there and wanting to win the championship. But just knowing Derek is a good kid. Derek yeah. is a dude that, you know, got a great work ethic. You know, what I'm saying very humble. And this guy right here, man, you know, best point guard in the game. Like, Mm -hmm. like, like couldn't nobody mess with D Rose during that time, mm -hmm. you know? So to see him going down, I just felt like, like, you know, our chances of winning the championship is, is, is very rare to
0: none. Wow. That's a mouthful from Rip Hamilton, isn't it? That's a, that's a mouthful because what Rip Hamilton said many Told me, and I talked about it on the air as well. How is it that Derrick Rose is continuing to be in the game? Now, here's the thing: it's one of those things where it's an injury that comes out of nowhere. Who knew that Derrick Rose was going to it was going to be the beginning of the end as far as him being healthy enough to play on a regular basis? Nobody knew, but it was part of the conversation during that time. I'm old enough to remember because I was here <laughs> talking about how the NBA had changed where you just cannot just continue to play players long minutes, especially during blowouts and all that kind of stuff. This is why you have a bench. Now I thought Thibodeau did a great job of developing the bench while he was in Chicago, tried to do that in Minnesota did not work out. didn't have the talent to be able to do that, but nonetheless, it just, it's one of these things where it's always going to be attached to the Thibodeau resume. And that is just extended minutes for no reason, for starters, and not being able to get along with the times. Here's the thing. In 2020, even before 2020, when you are a head coach, you have got to be able to conform, not bend and break, but you've got to conform a little bit to what doctors are saying about today's athletes. You can classify today's athletes however you'd like. But you want to make sure that the athletes that you are coaching, that you are working with, are healthy enough and productive enough to help your team win. And so for Thibodeau to coach, be a head coach for the Bulls and for the Timberwolves, as if it's 1989, does not help the modern athlete. It's not the same. And you know, people like Rip Hamilton will continue to say Derrick Rose's injury happened because of Thibodeau. Uh, he shouldn't have been in the game. Absolutely not, he shouldn't have been the game, but he was. And again, these injuries can ha- happen any time. It's just difficult for me to believe that any team in today's NBA can look at Tom Thibodeau and say, that's the guy that we need. That's the guy that's going to make uh, make us better. Because if he does, it's going to be temporary. It's not going to get you over the top. I've seen two examples of this. So I just thought that... Uh, if if you've ever thought yourself that man why was why was Derek Rose in the game and why was he injured and why did Thibodeau extend minutes to players especially when games were out of reach, Rip Hamilton as a former player thought the same thing. Coming up next, we talk about the Bears. Boy, I saw another article about the Bears and how they are just at a race to the bottom as far as the offensive category is concerned. Another column from ESPN.com i got to tell you about coming up next on UTH.
1: This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. This is
4: Under
1: the Hood. Under the Hood podcasts are available now on the all-new ESPN Chicago app. Available on your device now. This is ESPN
0: 1000, Chicago's home for sports. We'll talk some NHL with Greg Wyshynski, who covers the National Hockey League for ESPN.com. He's got a great column out right now to give us an idea of exactly when the NHL will return. So we'll talk to Greg coming up at 9 o'clock right here on UTH. Glad that uh, you are with me here on this Friday night. So ESPN wrote a, a column included, let's see, Dan Graziano. Uh, who's been on you've heard on this uh, station many times dan graziano covers the nfl for espn.com ranking nfl quarterback commitment in 2020 how married all 32 teams are to their starters okay so of course you know me right when I see a column like this, ranking NFL, first of all, it says ranking. So that means it's going to be all 32 teams. And then it says NFL quarterback. And I'm like, haha oh, NFL quarterback. We're going to see what this is about. I know an NFL quarterback that plays in Chicago. I know two of them. Uh, and then it says commitment in 2020, how married all 32 teams are to their starters. So in the ranking that they put together, number one financially is Jared Goff. Goff is signed through 2024, and I've always thought that the Rams and the Bears were similar, as far as Sean McVay is a head coach for the Rams, and then for the Bears, it is uh, Matt Nagy. As they always have, you know, their offensive philosophies. It's it's the two young head coaches that have offensive philosophies. Jared Goff was someone I did not believe in coming into the NFL. Of course, that Rams team got to the Super Bowl, uh, and solely with a terrific defense in a solid running game and then the all the the financial commitment to jared goff someone who had never taken a snap out of the shotgun before and then he goes to the nfl right and so they the rams paid a ton of money the difference between the bears and the rams is, is that the bears did not fork over so much money for trubisky they denied the option uh for trubisky as we both know but the four-year, 134 million dollar extension that Goff signed in September of 2019, 57 million guaranteed at the signing. Like, wow! So you want that to pay dividends if you're a Rams fan, right? So, so off. So from a financial standpoint. The Rams are number one. So I'm scrolling down, right? I'm looking at Ryan Tannehill. Of course, Ryan Tannehill's now making $118 million to hand the ball off. Uh four years. Sixty-two million guaranteed. So the Titans have locked in with Ryan Tannehill of all people, right? Three is Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins was one like almost the pioneer of give me my uh fully guaranteed money at the signing, and I want a whole bunch of it. $66 million extension, $61 million of it is guaranteed. <laughs> I mean, huge, right, for Cousins and the Vikings. So they're married to one another uh, through 2023. You scroll down and you get to uh, Eagles and Wentz and Joe Burrow, of course, with the Bengals, the number one pick in this year's draft. Russell Wilson, with well, the Seahawks. Uh, it might be Tua uh, for the Dolphins. Chargers with uh, uh, Herbert uh, Matt Ryan with the Falcons, and then 10, Aaron Rodgers with Green Bay. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, by the way, signed through 2023. The clock is ticking on what tier he is of kind of quarterback. But remember, he had a four-year, $134 million contract extension. $78 million of it was guaranteed at the signing. So a ton for Aaron Rodgers. And so I'm scrolling down, like, where's the Bears? Kyler Murray, Tom Brady at 12, Damon Jones, uh, Daniel Jones for the Giants, Bridgewater... Breeze, Roethlisberger, 16. Mayfield, Darnold, Haskins, Josh Allen at 20 with the Bills. I was like, where are the Bears? Mahomes, Kansas City, Houston, Texans with Deshaun Watson, Dak Prescott, Lamar Jackson, 24. Colts, Philadelphia with uh, Phillip Rivers at 25. Garoppolo is 26 with the 49ers. Lions, Raiders, ah, Bears. 29th on this list 29th it's prove it time for mitch trubisky four-year 29 million dollar contract fully guaranteed contract through uh, signed in july of 2017 It had that uh team option which was declined and so as far as the quarterback and team situation the bears are 29th only worse the broncos the patriots with stidham and Gardner Minshew at 32 with the Jaguars. But think about this. As it says here on ESPN.com, we actually don't know whether Trubisky or Nick Foles will be the Bears starter in 2020. Um, the coaching staff has said that it's going to be Trubisky lining up with the other starters. The Bears will pay the number two overall pick uh, in 2017, to $4.4 million in 2020. But they don't owe him anything beyond that. The team declined the fifth option means that Trubisky is scheduled to be a free agent next spring. It goes on to talk about Foles and how Chicago is financially married for him longer. He's got guaranteed salaries of four million this season and then next, and then guaranteed roster bonus of four million next year and one million of his 2022 20, salary is guaranteed. The Bears will pay. Listen to me. The Bears will pay full $17 million over the next three years, no matter what happens. So, if you are looking at this list about the quarterback team situation, the marriage situation, that is really tough. Because when I see Trubisky... And I believe he will start. I've been on the record with that. I'm not going to change that. I really believe that Trubisky will start. Unless there's some kind of injury in camp, Trubisky will be the day one starter whenever we get the NFL underway. Because I think that Trubisky has to fail into the job, fail in the job for Foles to be able to be the starter going away. This will not be a true training camp and competition between Trubisky and Foles. Who comes out first? Because I think you and I both know that Foles more than likely will be the guy that can can beat Trubisky because Foles is a veteran. But I think Trubisky has to fail in the job in order for Foles to get on the field. That's how. That's what I believe. But here's something that I'm going to forecast for you that you may not want to hear, and that is that. If the Bears underachieve this upcoming season, and you and I talked on draft night, I did the draft show, and I really believe that the Bears should have been able to address another weapon on the other side of Allen Robinson, another wide receiver. they got the tight end in Komet. Um, you got to be able to show up that offensive line a lot better for either Foles or for Trubisky. And I don't think the Bears did that early enough in the draft. I kind of think that if nothing materializes uh, successfully for the Bears this upcoming season, that Foles probably will be the starting quarterback, but that's not the answer for the long haul either. And so that means that we're going to circle the drain again of trying to find that franchise quarterback that can be a difference maker for the next five to ten years. That's the thing that really is bothersome to me that sucks that's what sucks because the trubisky experiment unless he's able to be unbelievable and finally come into his own the trubisky experiment has failed and even with Nick Foles as a veteran on this team, Nick Foles is not some savior, but he's a guy that can step right in there. We've seen him come off the bench and do some magical things. We saw him with the Eagles, not so much with the Jaguars last year. But it just, the thing that sticks with me, guys, is that if Trubisky does not turn into something this upcoming season, the Bears will be once again looking for that young long term quarterback. And again, for those of you that are in the camp that says, Oh, the Bears should draft a quarterback every year. Finally quarterback every, well, I don't disagree with a lot of that, but the thing is, is that once you've you got to be able to discover right away that Trubisky is not the guy and make sure you have somebody in place. You just don't let him just have full autonomy of the team and have nobody over his shoulder. The NFL that I know is always about competition. The NFL that I know, and maybe, maybe, Hey, maybe I'm five or 10 years behind. That's fine. I still believe though, that competition at your skill positions are very, very important. And I grew up in an era in which the, you had some really quality quarterbacks it was a quarterback rich league uh you could say that now in in some instances around this nfl but I, I grew up in a league where the backup was pretty damn good that that backup would not embarrass you the backup would not be mike glennon <laughs> it, it would not be someone that would just wet the bed as soon as you come out there or scared to death in front of that offensive line uh so what well, my point is is that you've got to be able to uh, make sure you have quality at the position. If your is not right, your backup has to be able to give you a different dynamic, something different. Maybe that is a running quarterback. Maybe that's someone that is good with the deep ball. Maybe that person can bring something out of this offense that the starter cannot. And the Bears had Chase Daniel and is you know, serviceable, serviceable veteran, but you never thought that Chase Daniel would ever take the job from Trubisky. You never thought that. And so... There you are. That's the thing that's that's so disheartening. Davis, I read this today and went through this uh this article and I kept looking for the bears and I got to number twenty nine. You consider the entire NFL, right? Uh. And you, and you get to the Broncos the Broncos with Drew Locke, all right. So that's that's new. I mean, that's he, they're still trying to figure out the quarterback spot there. But Stidham is new because Brady's not there with the Patriots. Gardner Minshew, they're going to roll the dice on him on a four-year, two point seven million dollar contract. But think about those situations. And the Bears really are, are one of the worst have the
3: one of the worst situations
0: at quarterback long term in the league. That's horrible.
3: Yeah, this is like getting to the height or the peak of that roller coaster. Mm-hmm. And that drop is coming, and we started the drop last year with the regression of the defense coming back down a little bit, and it's getting worse based upon what all the prognosticators are saying. That's that's amazing. <laughs> it's not good. It's, it's just it's really bad.
0: And and by the way, looking at some of these other teams, like in the twenties, like you'll take the Mahomes Mahomes situation. Mahomes is on the verge here of of getting a bigger deal here. Four years, sixteen million was his original deal. And they exercise. Then, of course, the Chiefs exercise the option. But he's fine. Deshaun Watson's fine. Prescott. I don't mind. I don't mind Dak Prescott. I'm not against him like some are. I think Dak Prescott's fine. He just got to take it. Take it to another level. Um, Lamar Jackson's young, and so those teams are in the twenties. Garoppolo is 26 in this list. Not bad, right? Um, but boy. The the Bears are down there with the Broncos, Patriots with Stidham, and Jaguars as far as the quarterback
3: spot. That's that's really tough. And that's with the inclusion of Nick Foles. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's not good. But if they're going to continue to regress and get into the top five in the draft, this would be a year you would want to do that with Fields and Lawrence. Yeah. 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 I I would – I think
0: that it will be in the right direction if you're just going to tank. And there's a number of teams that are just not going to be very good. Like, I don't think Jacksonville's not going to be very good. There's going to be some teams that's going to struggle. And, but here's the thing. Davis, here's the difference between how we looked at the NFL like five years ago to now, right? Even the bad teams have a young quarterback. Yeah. That you could be like, hmm, hmm, okay, all right, Arizona. I see where you're going here. Like you may not, you may not like what they're doing in Arizona, but at least they were able to draft a quarterback, and they will give um, their kids a couple of
3: opportunities here, a couple of seasons to find out if they're, you know, if they're worth it or and not. On top of that, they went out and got them weapons. They yes. went and got DeAndre Hopkins see? via trade. See, that's, that's what I mean. Like, the other night you talked about the lack of what all pro or even mm-hmm. Pro Bowl right wide receivers since what Alshon and uh. And Brandon, yeah. and Brandon Marshall went. Brandon
0: Marshall Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so and you know, Jets, Giants, young quarterbacks, yeah, you, know, you can say what you want about Derek Carr. Like you maybe he's in the middle, he's toward the bottom in this list here. But there even with some of the bad teams, the teams are struggling. Yeah, you know, like Washington, that spot. They still have to evaluate. Uh Baker, I think the jury's still out on Baker with the Browns. Um, uh, you know, Burrow with the Bengals. Even some of the bad teams, Minshew, you want to give another opportunity. Even the bad teams, you're like, okay, well they're building towards something. Bears, as I always say, in the middle stinks. You 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 can't be in the middle. Eight and eight stinks. That's that's a bad spot to be. And if the Bears are anything close to that 7 nine, eight and eight, once again, you have no other place to go but down. Without a franchise quarterback or a difference making quarterback for the long haul. So. Yeah,
3: eight and eight with no quarterback, not no, good.
0: No. You're not going anywhere, because that, that denotes that you're average, and and you have a, a great defense. But even your great defense couldn't get you more than nine or ten wins. <laughs> you know, so that that's the thing. All right, coming up, um, well, we, we got to talk about uh, Andy Reid, because Andy Reid from Kansas City had some thoughts on Nick Foles. We'll get to that as well on UTH.
1: This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Hi everybody on ESPN One Thousand, Chicago's home for sports. It's under the hood. Follow us on the gram at igjhood and at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN One Thousand.
0: If you're a Blackhawks fan or a fan of the National Hockey League, I got something for you coming up uh, a little bit after nine o'clock. We'll hear from Greg Wasinski from ESPN.com. He'll give us the latest on how soon we could see hockey uh take place and how the format will be. A little bit different than the NBA and what they're proposing. So we'll get to Greg in a little bit. We were just talking about the Bears momentarily and Andy Reed had some thoughts uh about Nick Foles. Foles now in with the Chicago Bears as a backup quarterback and now the Super Bowl champion. Uh Andy Reid, what his thoughts on Bears quarterback Nick Foles.
5: I'm a big Nick Foles fan. Um I think he's a tremendous person. I think he's a tremendous football player. Uh I'm watching tape on him when he's in Arizona. So he's—it's his last year at the University of Arizona. It's his last year, and um, he has all freshman offensive linemen except one of them was uh, sophomore, I think. <laughs> he is getting shellacked, like just knocked on his tail every play, and those—he never complained. Those linemen would come grab him and pick him off the ground, help him up. And he never he never great, he never mentioned it when I got together. I said, "Man, you got you got knocked around a little bit." He goes, "Yeah, I had some young guys, but man, they were getting better as the year went on." And and da da da. And so I, I said, I always take things through the O line and D line when I when I talk to uh, when we're going to draft a receiver. I'm going to go talk to the linemen to see what they say about the guy. Or we're going to draft a defensive back. I'm going to find those defensive linemen. I'm going to talk to them because they're going to shoot you straight. They're going to give you the the, the real story on the guy. They don't, they don't pull any punches. And so, um, this this kid, I just, I mean, I loved him for that. And and he'll be great with Mitch. He'll he'll do he'll do a nice job. And Mitch Trubisky has talent, and he he's just working through it, man. The quarterback thing's a tough thing, especially in a tough city like Chicago. I mean, that's not an easy easy thing to do. So he'll be great for Mitch, and uh, he'll also be. Uh, right in there to compete with him every day and and, and then matt Matt's got a phenomenal offensive mind and uh, and so you know he he'll he'll set that whole thing and, and make it work you just gotta you gotta have a little trust man and it's tough to trust if things hadn't gone so well it went well the first year second year it was up and down so you just got to hang, hang with Matt and trust him and, and uh, he'll get it right he's a, he's a good football coach and uh, he's got a good staff too.
1: This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports.